Hi, everybody, and welcome to This is Growing Old, a podcast from the Alliance for Aging Research. I'm Sue Peshin, President and CEO of the Alliance for Aging Research. Cold weather is upon us, and that means that many older adults may be isolated at home. Here to talk about how Meals on Wheels is making a difference is Meals on Wheels President and CEO, Ellie Hollander. Ellie, thank you so much for joining us on This is Growing Old. Sue, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Many people may not realize that Meals on Wheels does so much more beyond providing meals. Please tell our listeners a little bit about Meals on Wheels and all the different services that you provide. Sure. Well, I'm always excited and proud to talk about Meals on Wheels because it serves as such a vital lifeline for millions of seniors um, in communities across the country, small and large, suburban, urban, and rural. And uh, we say that we're more than just a meal because I always like to say that the meal is the entree to kind of opening the door to a number, a host of services that are available to vulnerable seniors in need. And it's not just about uh, nutritious food, although that is critically important, but it's also about a friendly visit, the socialization, the eyes and the ears between a volunteer or a Meals on Wheels staff member and the senior that they're there to serve. So oftentimes we may notice a safety hazard in the home. We may see that the our client has a pet that's in need that also needs a meal. Uh, and sometimes it's just home repairs or um, connections with other services in the community that are really important that the senior needs to know about. And uh, so we really believe, and I know that you do too, that social determinants of health, which is where people live, where they where they grew up, where they work, play, pray, all have a really important influence on the health and well-being of that senior. So all of that needs to be taken into consideration um, by Meals on Wheels. And our staff and volunteers across the country are all committed to helping seniors live more safely, healthy, and independent in their own homes. Excellent. Okay. Well, we saw a shocking statistic on your website that before the COVID-19 pandemic, 83% of low-income food insecure seniors weren't receiving the meals that they needed. It's really devastating and much higher than we thought. And we imagine that the COVID-19 pandemic exacerbated the problem. So how has the pandemic impacted the older adults that you serve? And how did Meals on Wheels adapt during the pandemic? Well, first of all, I'm really pleased that you picked up that, I, I would say, staggering statistic, as you mentioned, that eight out of 10 before the pandemic, vulnerable seniors likely needed Meals on Wheels and weren't getting it. Um, I use that statistic a lot because I think it's mind-blowing. And what it speaks to is the unmet need across our country. Um, and the pandemic, what it did really was to shine a light on two pre-existing um, long-term epidemics around senior hunger and isolation. Um, you know, before the pandemic ever hit, uh, probably one in six seniors uh, we're struggling with hunger. And that, that's just in, in, in a country as rich as America, it's hard to accept. But these are seniors that generally are sort of behind closed doors. Um, and so many millions more live, uh, lived in isolation. What happened during the pandemic, though, that 
even more seniors uh, were forced into homebound status because for their own safety. Um, Senior centers, which is sort of interesting because people always think of Meals on Wheels as just being delivered into the home. But what's important is that most of our Meals on Wheels programs also provided meals in senior centers or uh, locations where groups of seniors could come together with their peers to have meals, to to exercise, to educate each other. Um, and those were closed basically overnight because of the pandemic. So what programs needed to do was sort of, we, I hate the word pivot because it's being used so much, but really overnight to adapt their service model to suspend service in these group settings, these congregate locations, turn those into grab-and-go drive-through meal sites where seniors who were more mobile could get to, grab baby meals for a week or two weeks, and then take them home. But similarly, uh, the pandemic also forced us to change our high-touch model for homebound seniors, which uh, you know was normally knock on the door, enter the home, uh, check in on people, have that friendly visit, but with the need to be... Um, physically distant, uh, going into the home had to be sort of adjusted. And only in dire cases, uh, particularly at the height of the pandemic, were we able to go into the homes. But we always made sure that that senior was okay by knocking on the door, announcing ourselves, stepping back at least six feet, making sure that the senior was able to get their meal. And then we've augmented that uh, over, over the past, you know, 19 months with telephone check-in calls, um, you know, uh, cards and other things to make sure that seniors know that we're there. And if they need a helping hand, we'll make sure they get one. In good times, we we have over uh, 2 million volunteers across the country, which could be um, people that have retired, could be teams that work at companies that want to do team building and they, they adopt a route for Meals on Wheels. So because a number of our seniors that volunteer skew uh, older, 65 and older, um, they appropriately needed to take care of their own health and suspend their ability to volunteer. So there was and, and continues to be, honestly, a shortage of volunteers. And with companies also closing down uh, and having people work from home, that really caused some disruption to you know, our logistics supply chain, if you will, at Meals on Wheels. So programs needed to reach out to younger volunteers and also to hire more paid drivers um, so that there was that consistency of service, which is so critically important. Last year was a particularly tough holiday season as many older adults couldn't gather with their families due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This year, we're thankful to have a vaccine which will allow us to gather with our loved ones if we're vaccinated. Still, many older adults remain isolated. How can our listeners help Meals on Wheels during the holiday season and throughout the rest of the year? Well, it's a great question and thank you for asking uh, because I get asked that question quite a bit. And I always say the same three things and they became even more important in light of the pandemic, which is if you can donate or volunteer or advocate, and they're and they're different. Let me explain a little bit about each. Um, you know, we talked earlier about the unmet need. The fact that you know there are studies that show that probably eight out of ten low-income, highly vulnerable seniors before the pandemic 
needed Meals on Wheels and weren't getting it. It's a public-private partnership, Sue. And what that means is, is that we have to rely on uh, individuals, companies, foundations to augment the contributions that the federal government gives for Meals on Wheels. So even if you can only give a little bit, that is a lot because a little goes a long way with Meals on Wheels. So if you're able to do that to help a senior in need across the country, um, just visit mealsonwheelsamerica.org slash give, and you can you know provide continue to provide a vital lifeline to those who need it most. If you're interested in giving back to your community, um, you can also donate directly to a local program, or you can volunteer. And that's one of the best ways to, I say, fill your soul, particularly around the holidays, and to make a difference at the same time. If you're interested in volunteering and you'd like to be connected with a local Meals on Wheels program near you, whether it's where you live, whether you're, you're visiting or where you work, um, you just get on our website, mealsonwheelsamerica.org slash America Let's Do Lunch. No space. Um, and, you, you know, today the volunteer opportunities are a little different in, depending on the program because of the pandemic. So there still are programs that are looking for volunteers to help deliver meals. But in some cases, we need you just to make telephone outreach calls or phone calls to thank donors like yourself who may have stepped up to the plate, um, just to make those calls to let, let people know how much we appreciate and rely on that. And in other cases, it could be just doing a, a greeting card to, to let a senior know that you care. Um, I will say, though, because of the pandemic, and I mentioned this, that many programs are in desperate need of volunteers, but some do not need them in the way that they have in the past. And they're so inundated because the number of seniors in need uh, have grown so much. I, I, I neglected to mention this earlier, but at the, at the height of uh, the pandemic, programs were basically providing 100% more meals than they were before. But even today, as things have scaled back a little bit, they're still serving about 57% more meals than they were before and to about 44% more seniors. So because that's their primary focus right now and their wheels are moving as quickly as possible, they may not be able to get back to you immediately if you're interested in volunteering. So just be patient with that because I I don't want you to be deterred if you don't hear immediately back from a Meals on Wheels program. But the last thing is, is that there are other ways of getting involved in helping. And I mentioned a little bit about advocating. But if you get on our website, sorry to keep directing people there, but it's just chock full of resources. Mealsonwheelsamerica.org slash get involved will also give you a number of different things that you might be able to do uh, from the comfort of your own home. So thank you for asking, Sue. For the folks that were more mobile previously who were able to get to a senior center, and I mentioned that they were suspended quickly um, because, you know, you don't want people in a group setting. That was the last thing you wanted. I think a lot of those seniors who then were immediately rendered homebound uh, because there wasn't a senior center to go to. I think even friends that I know that are older, um, if you don't have the ability to have that social connection and you're not physically moving and more mobile, you actually, your health declines much more quickly. And um, uh, many of our programs, when we surveyed them, felt that probably, you know, a large number of seniors that they had been serving through the pandemic, they will continue to serve. 
uh, because they're just not either going to be comfortable physically as mobile or, or mentally uh, comfortable going back. And it's so important, you know, that we, the socialization is really <laughs> critically important. I think that's one of the silver linings, which I hate to say, but I always look at the positive in the pandemic. And one of the silver linings is all of us now appreciate what it's like to not see a given person in a day or a week and, and how lonely and depressing that that can be. And so I guess, to, you know, to your point is I think it's a combination of a number of reasons why millions more seniors will be staying at home and hesitant to go out. Uh, you know, there isn't like a one size fits all. We just have to make sure that we are checking in on our senior neighbors so that they know that, that someone cares. So Meals on Wheels America advocates for policies to improve the health of older adults. So you're not just about addressing the problem before you, but trying to prevent it uh, in the future. Can you talk about some of the legislative issues on your advocacy agenda and how the implementation of these policies would help the people that you serve? And I'm interested in you know, what type of connections have you made around the COVID-19 vaccines and the services that you provide? Sure. Well, let me back up first. I think it's important. I mentioned it earlier, but that Meals on Wheels is a public-private partnership. And the federal government, through the Older Americans Act, provides about one-third of the total funding that we get for Meals on Wheels. The rest has to be raised at the state and local level through private donations, foundations, corporations, and so forth. So it's very important for Meals on Wheels America to continue to advocate on a range of issues that are focused on improving the health and well-being of older adults. Throughout the year, we do this because the Older Americans Act is just one, but the, but the major source, but just one source of federal funding to support these programs. We also want to make sure that community-based organizations um, are getting their due attention on Capitol Hill as well, because they've been building this infrastructure for decades to enable them to make sure that seniors can live longer and independently in their own homes and communities. So we work hard all year round to build support on Capitol Hill and with the administration um, to not only advance legislation, but policies that strengthen home delivered and these congregate meal programs, which is just in senior centers and group settings, the volunteers who make this happen and the seniors um, that they serve to ensure that local communities are able to meet the growing needs of a population that is continuing to escalate. So, but for our conversation today, Sue, what I wanted to focus on was the need for increased federal funding to support the Meals on Wheels network. We talked earlier about the unmet need the fact that resources have never kept pace with need nor inflation. And as the population is growing exponentially, there is uh, a greater and greater gap between the need and our ability to fulfill it. So what we're really focusing on is ensuring over and over again that people understand that Meals on Wheels is more than just a meal, that it's a lifeline for millions of seniors, and that we can actually reduce healthcare costs because we can keep seniors out of more expensive healthcare settings if they're getting good nutrition, if they're getting a visit, if they're getting someone who's checking in on them so that they're safer. Um, they're gonna be less, less 
emergency room visits, admissions and readmissions to hospitals, and premature placement in nursing homes, all of which saves billions of dollars annually in healthcare costs. And so we really focus on ensuring that the funding, the appropriations for the Older Americans Act is as robust as it can be, and that we don't fall behind given the fact that we know that the need is growing so quickly. I think the hardest thing around policy and legislation is sometimes the uncertainty that happens when you know decisions aren't made quickly, and there and we've always been a, a, a nonpartisan, bicameral, you know, bipartisan issue. Everyone on both sides of the aisle understands the importance of Meals on Wheels, um, and we've been very fortunate with that. And when decisions are being made that leave uncertainty um, for local programs who don't know is the funding going to come through. When it comes through, how long is it going to take to get here? I have seniors who are waiting for meals. I don't want them to worry. I want to make sure that if I am pulling from my reserves, that I'm going to be able to replenish those reserves because I don't want to leave any senior behind. And this is really sort of the environment that we've been working in. With the pandemic, of course, we've been advocating um, frequently for Meals on Wheels to be included in all of the emergency funding packages that have been put forth. And we've been very fortunate to get that kind of support. And we've been thrilled to be one of the many, many organizations that have supported those packages um, so that you can do what you need to do. Uh, so I don't know if you want to go back to this or not. Uh, I, I just know this is an aside. I'm saying, uh, you know, I had discussions with Bob Blancato, who uh, were part of his... Um, coalition, the NANSP. And uh, I know that there was some language in one of the packages around working with local food programs for um, connections to COVID vaccines. Well, we have been working with a number of different organizations um, to spread the news about vaccines. Um, Many of our programs have worked with local EMS or other partners in the community to even bring uh, vaccines into the homes of seniors who cannot leave their home and using senior centers um, as sort of vaccine location spots where seniors who are familiar with those places and and trust them and are comfortable going would go there. And we we did that across the country. We've seen a lot of that. But also we are also working with um, uh, other federal agencies, CDC and others, to continue to, um, is particularly in communities that are under-vaccinated, if you will, relative to the rest of the country, to make sure that people understand the opportunities, the positives of vaccinations, to, if possible, dispel myths about that, and just to make sure that we are getting the word out. So Meals on Wheels programs, we, when we say we're more than just a meal, we're doing really all of that, all with the intent of ensuring that seniors are as healthy, safe, and independent as they can be so they can choose to live out their lives longer in their own homes if they so choose. Um, that's really the, the spirit of, it, of all of this. Um, and I think that, you know, oftentimes when we talk to Meals on Wheels clients, they say, you know, I, I have my Meals on Wheels number right there on my refrigerator, and I always call them, and they help me 
decide who else I need to talk to about things. So we, we, we kind of think of ourselves as sort of like a, you know, a, a one-stop shop for helping to connect people with other services that they might need. Now, here are two questions that we asked all of our podcast guests. When you were a kid, what did you imagine growing older would be like? I really, because I grew up in a, in a close-knit family that I had you know, all, my grandparents, my great-grandparents were still living. We got together regularly. I just figured it was just going to be fun and, and, you know, that there would be this support network that would exist for me um, into perpetuity. And uh, over time, of course, things have really changed. The definition of a family unit has changed. People um, are moving, are not living as close together anymore. So I've come to really appreciate the fact that what I had growing up is pretty unique. And so I appreciate Meals on Wheels even more because I want to be sure that we have a Meals on Wheels program for me when I need it, because that's going to become my extended family when I get to be that age. And my one daughter has moved and has got a life someplace else. I want to make sure someone's checking in on me. Okay. And our second question is, what do you enjoy most about growing older now? Well, I think it it gives me permission to focus on the things that are most important in my life. Uh, When I was younger, I felt I needed to say yes to everything and never want to let anybody down. Uh, But I've become more discerning and I'm much more comfortable saying no to some things because time is not not, uh, limitless. And we all want to make sure that we're making the most of the time that we have. And it kind of reminded me of an exercise that I did a number of years back. I went uh, to a training session and it was, uh, the exercise was to take a blank piece of paper, everybody to, you know, there must've been 50 people in the room and draw a straight line across it and start with zero on the left side of the line and put on the right side of the line, how, how long you thought you would live. Um, you know, it was private just for you. You weren't checking what other people were putting on there. And then they said, and then based on that, put a mark where you are now in terms of that zero to a hundred age span, let's say. Um, and then you so say, you put your mark where you are now. And then they said, now I want you to cross out everything from zero to where you are today and recognize that that's behind you and look at from where you are now to where you think you're going to live how long that's going to be, how do you want to make the most of that? And, you know, that's, it stuck with me. It was poignant. And uh, I, I think that I've really continued to evaluate, you know, if I, if I, uh, you know, want to look back at these, you know, the remaining years I have and say, did I maximize those that I get the most out of it? And, I want to be sure that my values for my age today are mirrored by the way I'm living my life going forward. Ellie, that was great. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was wonderful talking with you. Thank you, Sue. I enjoyed it too. And thanks to all of our listeners for listening to This Is Growing Old. Our intro and outro music is City Sunshine by Kevin McLeod. I want to give a hat tip to Janelle Germanos, our uh, manager of communications. We hope you're, you're enjoying listening to our podcast. If you're liking what you're hearing, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you and have a wonderful day.